Welcome to The Bone Beat, conversations on health policy issues affecting musculoskeletal care and supporting advocacy efforts to advance access and quality. Brought to you by the American Association of Orthopedic Surgeons. Here's your host, Kristen Coltis. Welcome to this first episode in our three-part series dedicated to the healthcare policy issues we're raising with lawmakers during AAOS's Orthopedic Advocacy Week. Today, we are discussing prior authorization processes that continue to burden our orthopedic surgeon members and ultimately delay their patients' access to care. Fortunately, Congress has recognized the issue and is trying to address it with the Improving Seniors' Timely Access to Care Act. That bill was introduced and grew significant support in the 116th Congress and was just recently reintroduced in the 117th with nearly 100 original co-sponsors. Before we get further into the episode, I just want to thank our sponsor, Pfizer Lilly Alliance, for helping to make the Bone Beat podcast possible. We discussed the issue of prior authorization with three of the bill's original co-sponsors, Congressman Larry Bouchon from the 8th District of Indiana, Congressman Ami Berra from California's 7th Congressional District, and Congresswoman Susan Delbene from Washington's 1st Congressional District. Dr. Bouchon, we're interested in hearing your perspective on this, given that you were a practicing physician and surgeon specializing in cardiothoracic surgery prior to coming to Congress in 2010. Talk to us about your medical background and personal experience, or challenges rather, with prior authorization. Well, you know, as a provider, I know firsthand what the burden of prior authorization can do. And so when prior authorization is not properly managed and is misused. It can lead to delays in care for patients and result in administrative burdens for providers. And it takes away really precious time from patient care and potentially leading to delays in needed medical interventions. Are there any anecdotes that you can provide for our surgeon listeners to relate to them? I did both cardiac, thoracic, and vascular surgery, and mostly in the vascular surgery space, where we would have patients who had ischemic disease in their lower extremities, and the insurance companies would want us to get prior authorization before performing, for example, a bypass on patients' blood vessels to increase the perfusion to their legs. I had this happen a multitude of times because more non-surgical therapy for those type of problems can be less expensive for the insurance companies. Dr. Barra, you have had a 20-year medical career prior to joining the U.S. House of Representatives in 2013. Can you walk us through some of the personal experiences you've had with prior authorization as a practicing physician, and then maybe explain why reforming these processes first became one of your goals in Congress? The prior authorization process has gotten worse over the years in some ways. When I was first practicing, if we wanted to do prior authorization, you would have to fax information in sometimes some doctors, they're still using those fax machines. And who uses fax machines today when you've got the internet and the ability to have algorithms that can help determine whether you can do that authorization or not? So one thing that we really focused on in this bill is to bring the prior off process into the 21st century and be able to do things electronically. Congresswoman Del Bene, do you want to respond to that question as well? It's amazing how we don't use technology to help address this issue right now. We have huge opportunities to make sure that we are doing things electronically so that things can be processed very quickly. 
technology is a huge part of what can come to the table to make prior authorization much more seamless and address a lot of the delays that I know are frustrating for everyone. Congresswoman Delbene, you bring another unique perspective, having had a career in technology and business. How might healthcare learn from other industries that you've worked with in delivering faster, more seamless services in our system? I think the key is that we want to make sure that information is provided quickly. We know as doctors are trying to provide care, they don't want to have a long ongoing back and forth discussion in order to get authorization. Healthcare hasn't always been the place where we've seen adoption of technology happen quickly, even on simple things like making sure we aren't using fax machines and being able to use electronic forms to deliver information. So I do think that there's many opportunities to make sure that we are using electronic forms, um, that data is readily available for decision-making, and that there's transparency. But that means that we have to change the way folks are used to doing things. There's definitely been places where things have been upgraded, but we still have opportunities. In theory, prior authorization processes are supposed to help control costs to the U.S. healthcare system and prevent unnecessary procedures or treatment. Dr. Barra, in your opinion, why is removing some of this regulation still the right step forward? And how will it ultimately improve patient care? 25, 30 years ago, prior authorization was used rarely. And it was really focused on rare procedures or those very costly procedures. That isn't the case today. Routine care that never was prior before is now getting prior authorization. And it's delaying our ability to care for our patients. But it also is having a detrimental impact on the physician workforce. The issue of physician burnout before the pandemic was a very real issue. The number of doctors that were just saying, it's too hard to practice medicine nowadays. I spend my days filling out paperwork. That isn't why I went into this profession. If we can reform the prior auth process, hopefully we can reduce that administrative burden and let doctors get back to why they went to medical school, which is to take care of patients. And that is going to be even more important as we come out of this pandemic. Dr. Bouchon, how do you answer challenges to that premise that prior authorization is supposed to be a cost-saving measure for our healthcare system? I think as your listeners know, I mean, the premise is it would ensure that beneficiaries receive clinically appropriate treatments and help control the cost of care. But I don't think that that's true. I think most providers out there, orthopedic surgeons, cardiovascular surgeons, are not going to be proposing procedures to their patients that are not clinically necessary. And so what it causes is actual delay in therapy in some cases, which can then lead to higher healthcare costs. So if you look at the number of authorizations that are denied, it's very, very tiny number. I really don't think, honestly, that prior authorization in the long run is going to save the healthcare system a great deal of money. It's interesting that you bring up necessary versus unnecessary, because that was a challenge in and of itself that our surgeon members faced during COVID. When these procedures were delayed, it severely impacted our patients. And we were happy to pause those surgeries and procedures to allow our hospitals the time to get equipment and have hospital beds for more time-sensitive issues. But you're absolutely right in that this care is critical and it's timely. 
And with orthopedic surgeons taking care of some of our nation's more senior patients, delays in prior authorization can be really problematic for their care. So let's move on to talking about the legislation. For background, a previous version of the bill was introduced in 2019, and that was H.R. 3107. It garnered the support of more than 400 endorsing organizations and 280 co-sponsors, making it one of the most bipartisan bills in the 116th Congress. The new bill is identical to the legislation introduced by the Senate in December 2020 and is a product of months of bipartisan, bicameral collaboration. So, Dr. Bouchon, would you walk through the specifics of that bill and explain how it will streamline this process? The Improving Seniors Timely Access to Care Act of 2021 aims to improve the current system. It's going to be requiring the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services to improve the way Medicare Advantage plans utilize prior authorization. It improves transparency by requiring Medicare Advantage plans to report to CMS on the extent of their use of prior authorization and the rate of approvals or denials. Congresswoman Delbene, can you walk us through more detail on that bill? The rate of approvals or denials Data helps us understand where there might be blocks in the system that we can address going forward. One key piece that we've been talking about is establishing an electronic prior authorization process. Legislation would also require Health and Human Services to establish a process for real-time decisions so that services that are routinely approved can happen more quickly. The legislation also encourages plans to adopt prior authorization programs that adhere to evidence-based medical guidelines in consultation with physicians so that we make sure there's consistency and clarity for providers. Dr. Barra, you're the vice chair for outreach for the new Democrat coalition. Why do you think that making these reforms with prior authorization processes is a bipartisan issue? That's a great question. There aren't that many doctors in Congress, and that's why working with Dr. Bouchon was great on this legislation. But every member of Congress is a patient, or they have family members that are patients, and they've seen medicine from that perspective. They've seen that paperwork burden. Most patients understand that that doesn't add to the clinical practice. Congresswoman Del Bene, I'm curious what principles you work from to ensure that stakeholders on both sides of the aisle could come to the table and negotiate to make these reforms. I heard over and over that prior authorization was a problem from providers, from patients. Congressman Mike Kelly had been looking into this and came to me and Congressman Barra as partners. We also know that health plans and providers agreed that prior authorization needed to be improved and agreed on principles back in 2018 on a consensus statement. So that really helped set the groundwork, the groundwork for what became the Improving Seniors Timely Access to Care Act. The importance of that is making sure we have a system that will work for everyone. Over 70 organizations have endorsed the legislation, and that's been important to building the advocacy and the strong support. Dr. Bouchon, Reforming prior authorization is such a bipartisan, bicameral issue. And I'm curious, what would you say to any of those who may oppose this, either in its current form or in a previous session of Congress? I think the major pushback that we may get from this bill and this proposal, and we've had over the years, 
is the fact that there needs to be this more broad government oversight of the type of procedures that physicians are performing on patients across the country with the premise that there's a lot of unnecessary, costly procedures that are being recommended to patients. And I just think that that's not true. The premise of that, to me as a physician, honestly is almost insulting that providers would be performing procedures or doing things to patients that are not medically necessary. So I think people that support this process uh, believe that they're cutting down on unnecessary procedures, therefore saving cost of care. And, you know, there's always bad apples out there. But the reality is the vast, vast majority of providers are trying to do the right thing for their patients. And this is just a paperwork burden and delay in that that is causing issues. I think that's the major pushback, that try to save costs by making sure unnecessary, quote unquote, procedures are not being performed on patients. Why is now the right time to pass this reform? This legislation is critically important to helping patients and providers. We introduced similar legislation last Congress, and we had over 280 co-sponsors. The magic number in the House of Representatives is 218. That's the number of votes you need to have a majority to pass a bill. So 280 is strong, strong bipartisan support. We just, as you said, reintroduced the bill with 92 co-sponsors. I expect that momentum to grow. So getting the bill out now is important because we can continue to build that support. And as we see opportunities to either combine it with other legislation or to get it moving so we can get it through the House of Representatives, we want to take advantage of those opportunities. The importance of introducing this bill early in this Congress is huge. We've seen the pressures that doctors have been under during the pandemic. And as we see light at the end of the tunnel, we also know there's going to be pent-up demand from patients who have delayed getting access to necessary health care. I talked to many of my former colleagues and the stress and pressure they've been under this past year, year and a half. I worry that many of those that are close to retirement may consider retiring. And that is just going to have a bigger impact on the workforce issue. So if we could reduce that burden and let doctors take care of patients, that's truly the right thing to do. Dr. Bouchon, can you speak to what your fellow lawmakers on the regulatory side may be doing to address this issue? We've had a transition to a new administration. I think it's too early to really say what the focus of HHS and CMS will be as it relates to this particular issue going forward. In the previous administration, we had a pretty good ear listening to us at CMS, particularly with Seema Verma, and an understanding that from a regulatory standpoint, they need to work towards ways to decrease the regulatory burden. But honestly, with the new administration, I don't have a good feel for that yet. But I think it's very important that we continue to have advocacy from every medical organization and talk to the new administration about these issues. Well, as you know, organizations like the AAOS tackle issues such as prior authorization with a three-prong approach. We work with members of Congress, such as yourself, on the legislative side, We work with regulators through comment periods, and we work on the political side as well to ensure leaders who have medical backgrounds and understand our issues get elected to Congress. So what role can individual orthopedic surgeons play in helping advance this bill across the finish line? Within their own medical group, 
it's important to have a couple of people that are focused on legislative priorities and are engaged both at the local, state, and national level. I have orthopedic surgery groups in Evansville and Indianapolis that have individuals who engage with me personally. And I think that's important. Even if you choose individually not to specifically and directly engage yourself through your leadership in in your hospital or your medical group, voice your views, and then hopefully get those transmitted to legislators at the local, state, and federal level. It makes a big difference. And the last thing I'll say on that is, if there is an opportunity to either go to your state house or to come to Washington, D.C. and directly engage with your legislator, please take that opportunity. My wife's an anesthesiologist, and she did that with the anesthesiologist from Indiana once and actually came to my office and a number of other offices and found it very enlightening. I do think why it's important for orthopedic surgeons and others to get involved is if you don't know your member of Congress, you ought to reach out and talk to them. Because again, most people have never been in the white coat on the side of the doctors. Invite them into your practice. Let them see what that paperwork burden is, why it isn't really adding value as you're having to jump through multiple hoops and slowing down the care that you can deliver. That is why groups like AOS are so important to advocacy. It's incredibly valuable because you can tell us the stories, the actual stories that highlight the problem. Show us the impact it's had on patients and the ability to deliver care. Those are the stories that I think are undeniable and why we've had strong support. So I encourage folks to talk to their member of Congress and explain to them the problem, the challenges that we've had with prior authorization. Every story is much more impactful because that makes it real to people and people can understand why this is such a priority. And as more people, not just members of Congress, but their staff and others in our community understand how critical this is, that helps us build the support to move the legislation forward, not only in the House, but also in the Senate. Well, we appreciate opportunities like this to hear from you on why the legislation is important. Congresswoman Del Bene, thanks for your support on making this change for our profession. Absolutely. Thanks for having me and appreciate your support as we move this legislation. The AAOS is one of those organizations that has endorsed the legislation. We supported it in the 116th Congress as well, and it's one of the reasons we've made it a key issue in our Orthopedic Advocacy Week the last week of May. Dr. Bouchon, how do you feel about this finally getting across the finish line and providing some much-needed relief for our healthcare system? Well, I'm very optimistic. But you know, in Washington, D.C., the challenge is what vehicle does this go through Congress attached to? Usually some larger piece of legislation that would then include this legislation itself. It's become pretty difficult to get individual bills through the Congress, especially at a time where the focus isn't necessarily on this particular issue. So I'm pretty optimistic that if we have any substantial healthcare legislation that goes through Congress, that this potentially could be included. I think, again, you will have some pushback based on what the insurance company's input would be. But uh, I think even with that, people realize because of COVID that the timeliness of care and appropriate care is really critically important. I think this legislation should pass. I think it would have passed in 
the last Congress, except we ran out of time there at the end. In the last Congress, it had 280 co-sponsors in a bipartisan way, and it has close to 90 co-sponsors at introduction. So those are original co-sponsors, pretty evenly split between Democrats and Republicans. So I don't think there's any reason it shouldn't come to the floor of the House of Representatives and pass. And in the last Congress, there was also similar support on the Senate side. So this is one that I think we should get to the president's desk. It makes sense. It's good for our patients. It's good for our doctors. And it should have the impact of actually lowering health care costs. Dr. Barrow, we really appreciate you coming on the Bone Beat podcast for all your leadership that you've provided on this issue. And I'd be remiss if I didn't also acknowledge your partnership with Dr. Bouchon on legislation that's helped to mitigate impending Medicare cuts during the public health crisis emergency. So our surgeons are seeing some relief with those delays and we greatly appreciate it. We look forward to helping build support on the Improving Seniors Timely Access to Care Act. Great. Fabulous. Thank you. Dr. Bouchon, I believe you're the first surgeon member of Congress on our show. Uh, Is there anything else that we didn't get to in this interview or that you want to mention and leave with our listeners? Not anything specific policy-wise, but I do want to say this. I think it is important, as you mentioned, to have direct physician engagement in the process. And if anyone out there wants to consider running for Congress, please give me a call. But I came to Congress because I really felt we needed to have physicians in the room when these things were being discussed, and I found that to be very true. So it's an honor and a privilege to do this, and I really appreciate the opportunity to be on your podcast today. Thank you very much. We thank you for your continued leadership in Congress. You've been a partner with us and the AOS advancing many issues, the shortlist being championing reforms that give patients and doctors the freedom to make their own healthcare decisions, helping to stop the Medicare pay cuts that were looming during COVID, the work we did to finally pass legislation on surprise medical bills, and importantly, working to end the opioid epidemic. So thank you for all your support on these and other issues. We look forward to meeting with your office during Orthopedic Advocacy Week and gaining more support for this critical bill. This concludes the May episode of the Bone Beat podcast on prior authorization with production and design by Mission Based Media. You can learn more about this topic and others at aaos.org slash advocacy and look forward to future episodes on the issues of telemedicine and physician mental health. As always, if you are enjoying the show, we encourage you to leave a rating, review, and most importantly, share it with your orthopedic colleagues. Until next time. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Bone Beat from the American Association of Orthopedic Surgeons. For more information on this topic and other AAOS efforts to shape the future of musculoskeletal care, please visit aaos.org advocacy.